0: I realize that there may be some here this morning that haven't been here in the last few weeks, and I just want to bring you up to speed. We are doing a fall series called Body Parts. Body Parts. It's based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, where Paul talks to that local church about uh, things as it relates to how the giftings of God are to work within the church and whatnot. And what he does is he used the metaphor or analogy of the human body. So uh, we've been doing that. We've been taking that idea and and speaking about some of those things. And uh, I've been saying to you that God did not just create parts. He created systems. When sometimes when we read that passage in First Corinthians, and, we, and he mentions an ear and a hand or a foot or those kinds of things, we, we take those parts as though that's all that, uh, you know, that, that they stand alone, but they don't stand alone. They are very much connected with other, other parts, but even in a greater way, other systems uh, within the body. While each of the systems are distinct in their function, they have an inner connection with the rest of the systems and parts of the body. So over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at how important and valuable the skeletal system is, right? That's where we kind of started. We started at the ground floor if you will, and we said that while that's a system that we don't, other than at Halloween when there's skeletons out there, we don't typically think about them a whole lot, but that system is a foundational system upon which all the other systems and parts are built upon. In in a similar fashion, I said, we must not neglect building a strong framework of belief. Paul exhorted his understudy, Timothy, to make sure that he was giving time to uh, develop a strong, sound doctrine, a a set of teachings that that you would know what you believe and why you believe it. That becomes the framework that we kind of build everything else uh, upon. (laughs) Last week, I talked to you about the respiratory system. We talked about how vital breathing is, right? I said to you, if you don't think that's important, just stop doing it, right? You won't won't make it, but just a, 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 a matter of minutes before you pass out or something worse. We talked about the process of breathing. It's both an inhaling and an exhaling. It's something we tend to take for granted until for some reason you're unable to do it. In the natural, we need the rich oxygen of God's creation to stay alive. In the supernatural, I suggested to us that we need the rich, the full richness of God's spirit filling our hearts and lives. Remember, we talked about how the word in the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testament, ruah and Numa. Uh, are the words to describe breath, but it's also translated spirit in the Bible. We need that rich, full measure of God's spirit coursing through our life in order to to stay spiritually alive. Now, today, that's just a, a really brief review of things that we touched on But today I'd like to talk to you about yet another important system within our human body. I want to give you a clue before I tell you what it is. So think about this, what I'm about to read to you. This system works day and night. Mechanics rush to the numerous sites to repair and replace damaged parts supply vehicles deliver the fuel plumbers are busy repairing leaks and breaks a cleanup crew continually continually traverses the ways removing debris and a police force keeps the peace all the while an army repels attacks and destroys the enemy all this and more is part of an elaborate network which is centrally centrally controlled by an electronic system receiving commands from a super-duty computer beyond description. What I just read to you is one way to describe a system that is at work in your body right now. Any guesses? You got it. Very good. The circulatory system. It is a marvelous feat of engineering the work of our all-wise creator. Now, I'm sure we already know some of this, but I, I just want to make sure everybody's clear about this. The circulatory system contains your heart. It contains blood and vessels of different shapes and sizes. And it's responsible to circulate and transport nutrients, oxygen, and hormones to the entire body. But it is also responsible for helping to fight disease and maintain the proper body's temperature and pH balance. That's what the role of your circulatory system is. Now, if you were to take your wrist for just a moment, is you might want to do this if you need to roll up your sleeve, and you here in this area of your wrist. You were to take a finger and place it here on your wrist. Hopefully, hopefully, you can feel that system at work. Do you feel it? You might want to check again if you can't. You can feel the pumping of that system at work. I found some interesting fun facts about the circulatory system I wanted to throw out to you today. And listen, some of these things I'm about to read to you, I had to double and triple check because when I first read them on a particular website, I'm like, that can't be true. And then I went, uh, there's a website called the Heart and Lung Association. Some of you have probably heard of that before. And they had the same data uh, on their uh, fact sheets as well. So uh, there's a couple other places I went to too. If you were to take all of your arteries, your veins, and your capillaries, and you were to you were to put them end to end, they would reach so, the low estimate that I found was sixty thousand miles. Some have suggested up to 100,000 miles. Now, our resident biologist, i, I listen, I fact-checked this with our resident, resident biologist, and one of the interesting facts that he told me was is that for every pound you put on, your body has to create 200 miles of blood vessels. That's why your heart has to pump so much to get it through all those added things. So uh, yeah, think about that for a minute. That's a big deal, yeah. So 60,000 miles is two and a half times around the earth. That's how, right now in your body, you have that many uh, blood vessels taking place that your heart has to pump blood through, uh, so on and so on. Uh, Okay, another thing. The average person' heart be, beats 70 beats per minute, right? If you do the math on that, your heart beats over 100,000 times a day. That's a lot. But over a lifetime, it will beat 2.5 billion times in your lifetime. One of the things that I read about this was, uh, this is... Uh, what, uh, God designing this stuff is unbelievable. They said if you were to try to take like a, a, a like a motor pump, right, and you were to hook metal pipes to that and try to put something through it, there is no way possible it would ever stand up to both in terms of endurance and in terms of the beating that your arteries would take, trying to get that much fluid uh, through them in your lifetime. You just wouldn't hold up. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing. Your heart pumps, I, I, again, I found some of this hard to believe, but I double check, I triple check some of it, right? Your heart pumps 75 gallons of blood an hour. That's a lot! That means that in a 24 hour period, your heart pumps over 2,000 gallons of blood a day, in one day. Over a lifetime, your heart pumps 1,314,000,000 gallons of blood. That much blood would fill 20 uh, tankers on a train. Uh, I'm sorry, 200, I knew 20 didn't sound right, 200 tanks on a train, it, your your heart, uh, your, your uh, you would pump that much blood in your lifetime. Okay, let, let me give you a couple other ones. You've all heard of an uh, angiogram, right? Some of you probably had one, right? Angiogram, the technical term for it is a cardiac catheterization, all right? I know a little bit about catheterization, okay? So it's called a cardiac catheterization. We typically call them angiograms, right? Where they go up through a vein in your wrist or in your groin, and they go up in and they look at your heart, right? Now, <laughs> here's why I wanted to tell you about that. So it was invented, it came about in 1929. That's, I thought that was a long time ago. Uh, and here's the really interesting part. The doctor who invented it did it on himself. There's a really fascinating story behind it. He actually got this nurse convinced to let him to try it on her. But after he put her out, he couldn't stand the thought of doing it on her, so he did it on himself. What? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. Finally, 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 did you know that your heart really can be broken? Did you know that? And I'm not talking about, you know, a full-blown coronary or heart attack or anything, but this is what I read. A condition called stress cardiomyopathy can happen in a person when they where they experience a, a temporary weakening of the muscle of the heart, uh, some of the similar conditions of a heart attack. And this, this condition is actually known in layman's turn as broken heart syndrome. And it happens when somebody experiences a significant loss, or it can happen when somebody experiences a significant loss. Having said all that, this system is God-made. This system is amazing, utterly amazing. Some have tried to tell, tell us that this all just happened in an explosion and somehow developed over time. I'm telling you, dig into this stuff and you will find out that you are a walking miracle. You are a miracle walking. Every day you get up, every day you go to bed, everything you, your hands are able to do, your feet are able to go. You are a living miracle. Did you know that there's no substitute for blood? There's no substitute. You can't say, well, you know, uh, sir, ma'am, you don't have enough blood or you need more blood, but we don't have any blood, so we're going to try this new thing we've tried. We're going to inject that into you. There's no such thing. There is no way possible. They have made a pump that's able to pump blood but they have never figured out a way to be able to manufacture something synthetic that would be able to do what blood does. Because what blood does is miraculous. It's delivering stuff all the while. It's taking stuff away. It's giving you everything that you need for your cells to thrive. And yet at the same time, it it knows. It just knows what to do. It's absolutely miraculous miraculous it says in 1st Corinthians 12 18 but in fact God has arranged the parts of the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be God did that God made that God those parts and systems those were all God's idea and the Bible tells us that he has arranged that life is in the blood. That's what the Bible says. Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the body is in the blood. Now, I know I said to you last week that if the respiratory system isn't working properly, you're, you're not able to live. But, and, and as I said to you, some of these systems that we've been talking about uh, some of them are super duper important, right? They're all important, but some of them are rise to the level of very, very, very significant. And I'm suggesting to us we all know that if the circulatory system stops functioning, a person dies. Life is in the blood. Can you just say that with me on three? One, two, three. Life is in the blood. This saying or this idea that life is in the blood has led to us saying that when something is vital to the survival of whatever it is we're talking about, we usually point to a a thing or a person and we say about that, they are the lifeblood of that, uh, whatever that is, right? They are the lifeblood. Lifeblood is the indispensable factor or influence that gives something its strength and vitality. Lifeblood. Blood blood provides life. Life is in the blood. Now, I'd like to suggest to you this morning, in terms of using this system as a metaphor for the body of Christ, remember, we're looking at the human body, we're drawing parallels to the body of Christ, I would suggest to us this morning that there is something that is the lifeblood of the body of Christ, the church. We've sang about it already this morning. It's love. Love is the lifeblood of his body love is the lifeblood of the church now i know theologically we all know we all know this or if you don't i'm about to tell you that we say that the blood of christ that has cleansed my heart changed my life some you could look at that and say That is my lifeblood. And indeed, there's a song we've sung before that says, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Understand that. I got that, theologically. I'm talking about, in terms of practicality, the thing that must flow well and flow freely, the thing that must empower us, the thing that gives us life, And vitality is the love of God flowing through our veins, spiritual veins. Have you ever noticed that the pump, meaning the heart, of the circulatory system is is a universal sign for love? I've got a picture for you. I think it's up there. Right there it is. You all recognize that picture, right? That's not like some foreign thing I threw up there or found on the internet. Everybody knows that this organ that pumps our blood is the universal symbol for love, right? Now, I ask myself, why is that? Why uh, how did that? You know, it's not like they throw a kidney up there and say, Liz, "There's your loving kidney," right? Or they throw up an ankle and say, this is our sign of love, this ankle. No, they use the heart. Why is it that the heart has become the symbol or the sign of love? Now, I got just a couple interesting things for you. The earliest known symbol of the heart expressing this sign of love is from a Roman coin believed to be dated somewhere between 519 and 490 before Jesus, before Christ. I have, a, I have a picture of it. Should be, right there it is. This is a Roman coin with the heart symbol on it. Now, if Dave, you're our resident historian, we've got our regidus biologist over here, we've got a resident historian up here, my understanding is, is the Romans had a goddess by the name of Venus. Venus, oh, Venus, is that the, guy? okay. And along with her son, Cupid, right, they believed that her son, Cupid, could, could shoot arrows that were undefensible and strike a person in the heart and they would fall in love, right? So so in this Roman culture, they they made that connection between the heart and love. This is before Jesus even came on the scene, right? They're already expressing it in the symbol uh, of a heart. They also held a belief, Romans held a belief that that there was a direct vein from that led from the heart to the fourth finger of your left hand. Did you know that? And they called it the vena amoris. I got it? I, I looked this up. I looked this stuff up. It's called the vena amoris. And again, they believed that a, a, that a vein went directly from the heart to the left finger, or the, the, I don't know what number finger, this finger, this finger on your left hand, right? Be careful what finger I'm putting up there, right? Okay, so obviously everyone knows now that that's not necessarily how the hum, human anatomy is laid out. This thing persisted. And so if you wonder why you wear a ring on your left hand on that finger, that's why. Because way back then, way back in the time period I'm talking to you about, they started to wear their rings, their wedding rings on their left hand and that thing has persisted throughout time. There's another picture I wanna show you right here. This is from about the 12th century. Go ahead, next one. This, This is a man offering his heart. She's receiving it from him. He has his hand on his chest. And again, this is uh, kind of a crude picture of of the organ that pumps blood. Uh, And she's receiving, the the caption behind this picture is uh, a a woman receiving the love of a man. So throughout cultures, this whole idea of the heart, the circulate, the pump, the thing that pumps our blood, right, has become a symbol for love. But even before cultures uh, decided to adopt that, uh, you don't have to dig very deep in Scripture to find out the connection between the heart and love. Uh, I take you now to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 where after God had given the Ten Commandments to his people Israel in his concluding exhortation to them, he says to them in 6.5, he says, love the Lord your God with all your your heart with all your soul and with all your, your mind and your strength, right? That whole thing there. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Thank you. Later on in the New Testament, Jesus is asked the question, which of the commandments that God gave are the most important? And in Matthew 22, 37, he says, uh, this is what you need to know. Love the Lord your God with all your, it doesn't say kidneys. It doesn't say knees or hands or or hair or ears. It says, love God with all your heart. It is clear that there is a connection between my metaphoric heart and love. There is a connection between my physical heart and me staying alive pumping blood, taking the miracle of blood that God has has put together to course through my veins so that my body has everything that it needs. I am here suggesting this morning that love is the lifeblood of the body of Christ. It is the very thing that should be coursing through our spiritual veins bringing healing, hello, bringing life, bringing the necessary nutrients that you and I need to live and live successfully. Just like the natural blood fixes things, love can fix things. Just like our natural blood brings life, to us, so love can bring life to people. Are you sure? Love brings life into the house. Just try doing it loveless and you'll realize the difference. Love keeps us healthy, just like our blood keeps us healthy. Love deals with adversity that comes our way. You know, when Jesus uh, was talking about this in in, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he was talking about it, and he was saying, you know, we we used to do it this way. We used to do, uh, when you were dealing with your adversaries, we used to do it an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's how we did it. But I tell you, bless those who speak negatively about you. He's given us instruction about how to deal with an adversarial situation. He said, Love them. Love them. Love your enemy. Because he knows this is the very thing you need flowing through the veins of your spiritual life that will bring you blessing and favor wherever you go. The love of God. Are you there? Last week, I spoke to you about breathing in and exhaling the Holy Pneuma or Holy Ruah of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Breathing that in, exhaling the Spirit of God, right? Does anybody happen to know what the number one trait of Holy Pneuma is? It's love. Do you remember when Paul was writing to the Galatians and he was talking about all the all of the examples of what it what loveless life looks like, what 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 flesh life, what the opposite of Pneuma life looks like, and he gave a listing and he things said said and other things like this. But then he said, he said, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the first one he starts with is love. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Some have even suggested that love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit and that all those things mentioned after love are simply reflections of what love is. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all uh, uh, various ways of describing love. So we're breathing in uh, the, the Holy Spirit, and in the process of doing that, we are ingesting love, love in our heart, love in our veins, love in our lives, and that's what needs to be uh, keeping us, if you will, alive. Now, you may be thinking, I think you're stretching it here just a little bit. I think you're, you're making more of this than what it is then I would invite you as a student of God's word to when you go home today, you would take a few minutes, it'll only take you a minute or two to read 1 John chapter four. Because John got so excessive about this, he got so radical about this, he got so uh, 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 in your face about this that he said this, if you don't love, you don't have the spirit of God in you. If you aren't exercising love to your brother, if you aren't loving your neighbor, I don't think the Spirit of God's in you. You read it. You read it for yourself. Tell me if you come to another conclusion. Say, God is not, he said it that radical. God is not in you if you can't love your brother. Whoa. Now, I've been saying to you the whole time along that this this way of looking at this is three-dimensional, right? I could just end what I just said to you, but we have to put some context to this thing. And the context is multifaceted. Depending on which angle you look at this thing, it's important, right? So I've said to you each week, I've said, this has an individual component to it. And here's what I would say about that. I must be, listen now, I must be in receipt, meaning have received, taking in. I must be in receipt of God's Spirit and His love in my life in order for me to give out love. If somebody came to you in the natural and said, you know, can uh, can we uh, can you give blood? Can we get some blood from you? And you said, I don't have any blood. (laughs) They get no blood. It's It's not rocket science here we're dealing with. You either are taking it in, which means I have to go to God and say, Lord, let your love course through my veins. You know, it's like I said to you last week, you know, we just take for granted. Well, you know, I'm saved. I invited Jesus into my life, blah, blah, blah. The Bible tells me I have the the Holy Spirit because I've done that, so forth and so on. That's all true. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I think it's really helpful if I go to God, if I go before God, and I say to God, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and I wake up tomorrow and I say to him again, Lord, I need, you, I need your breath in my lungs. I think it's also really helpful that we, rather than rely on our own carnal love for people, which if you haven't discovered already, that can run out real quick. When people aren't performing the way that I want them to or you know, I'm not getting what I need from that, that love can run out pretty quickly. So it necessitates that you and I go to God and in the process of getting before him and waiting on him, we're saying, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, but while you're at it, may I have some of your love too? Would you download to me your love for me? Personally, individually. Place yourself before him. Learn to be in his presence. Let him nourish you and fill you through his word. Learn to hear his voice. If if the love of God is in your heart, it will show up in the way you live. So there is an individual component to this, all right? I must be asking for God to enrich me with his love. Okay, so that's one angle. The other angle is the local body of Christ, a local church. In fact, that is the very context that Jesus talked about us having to love one another. He did talk about loving our enemies and stuff, but the bulk of the time he talked about, uh, you know, giving this love away, he's talking about it in the context of of fellow believers, fellow followers. John Bloom, he is a guy who's a part of the Desiring God ministry. John Bloom says it this way, the body of Christ is by design meant to be a community of diverse sin-polluted, defected individuals from all sorts of life-shaping shaping past living together in an impossible love. That's what the local church is. That's you and I coming from various places in life in all of our brokenness, in all of our messed-upness and getting with God and saying, God, do the impossible here and enable us to love one another people say, well, I don't go to church. I don't like to go to church because I don't like some of those people down there. This, the thing, listen, the thing that God has called us to is impossible in our own effort and our own strength. It is impossible to do in the flesh. That's why... That's why he has arranged it that we have to ask him for his help. Lord, help me to love that person. Lord, give me your love for that person because in and of myself, I don't have it. You and I, loving others is vitally important. It's as vital to the body of Christ as blood is in your body right now. If uh, if there's no love flowing, you ain't got nothing. You're dead. It's over, Rover. And listen, listen when I say this. God measures, please, you might even want to write this down. God measures success by the quality of love. You don't believe me? Read about the churches at the beginning of Revelation. They were all good with this and good with that and so forth and so on, but two or three of them, he said, dude, I hold this against you. Your love, it's not what it needs to be. You know, I see your deeds. I see your I see your programs. Man, those programs are awesome. I see the decorations in your sanctuary. They look great. I see how much you're standing up for pro-life things. That's awesome. But mark this, don't let your love grow cold. Love honors. Love respects. Love shows up in being hospitable. It shows up in being harmonious. It shows up in unity. It shows up in preserving together through difficult times or issues. Love bears burdens. It forgives. It brings encouragement. It produces fellowship. And if you love I thought, how profound is this on this particular Sunday morning? If you really love people and you love God, you'll meet together regularly. (laughs) They say that people don't get to pick their family. They only get to pick their friends. You heard that? Did you notice that we like picking what we like? Did you notice that? Even in the church, people pick the church that they attend. They like it that way. They pick, we've had all these small groups that came up, people pick their study that they're going to go to. They pick their friends based upon the group that they find themselves best connecting with. We all do that because we tend to we tend to gravitate towards the comfortable the things we like, the things we love, right? Uh, Did you ever think about this for a moment, that the early disciples of Jesus did not get to pick the other disciples? Whoa! And I was thinking about that this week. Jesus didn't say to them, you know, the first couple that came along, hey, listen, I, I need to get another 10. I'd like to get your input on that. Uh, you know, you guys were really good to leave behind what you were doing and follow me. So I'm going to get your advice now about who else we should get to join the team. Because we got to come up with 12 here. Jesus never did that. Never said, uh, Hey, Andrew, Peter, what do you think? How about that tax collector over there? You know why he didn't? Because they had never picked them. You know why? That example I just gave to you, I mean, think about that for a minute. A hated, a hated tax collector hooking up with the crew from Deadliest Catch. <laughs> now, if you know that crew, if you know that crew, those are men, men, right? I just gotta believe that somehow, when, when they saw Matthew coming on board, they're thinking to themselves, Jesus, you are crazy. You are nuts. But Jesus was about to put this group together of unlikely people so that they had to learn what it meant to love. I'm going to stick some of the people that you'd least likely expect... And we're going to do three years of life together and see if there's anybody alive at the end of it. (laughs) With God, all things are possible. With the love of God flowing through our spiritual veins, the impossible becomes possible. The early church... I'm almost done. I said that last, when I somebody told me when I said that last week it went on for another half hour. I won't let that happen. <laughs> Not only didn't the early disciples get to pick who they would want on their team, the early church believers didn't get to pick who they ended up having to do church with. As you read the Bible, you may find out that that the Jews and the Gentile church people didn't get along? There was some friction there. There was some rubbing, rubby-dub-dub, three men in a tub going on, right? They didn't like one another. But this is what Jesus said. Think about this. In John 13, 35, he said, By all this will all men know that you are my disciples because you love one another. Whoa. He didn't say, I remind you, he didn't say everybody's going to know who I am because you got awesome programs going on. Because you've got the right color carpet in the church. Because you have a really cool welcome center out in the front. He said, this is how people are going to really know who I am and who you are. Their blood, the love is going to be flowing through your veins. There is this song by a guy by the name of Stephen Sills. Does anybody, Stills, does anybody know who he is? Huh? From Crosby, Stills and Nash? One of his, I think, it, I think it was one of his most famous songs, he sang, it was titled, Love the One You're With. You don't have to break out in it right now. Just hold, <laughs> hold, 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 hold that. We're almost done, right? Love the One You're With. And I think that's what Jesus' words would be to us. Love the one you're with. Love the one. Learn to love the people that God has put you with. Family, people he brings into your life, learn to love them. Okay, so that's the local church. But the at-large body of Christ... I've said this to you the last two weeks. I'm going to say it to you again. The at-large body of Christ will be known for its love when local churches are known for its love. The local church will be known for its love when the individual people in that church love. Got it? We remark Occasionally, I find myself in conversations where people are talking about the dividedness of the at-large body of Christ. You know, all the different denominations, and how it's all split up, and people got their own holy turf, and you know their camp that they're in, so over and so on. People talk about that. Sadly, sadly, sadly. A lot of local churches get birthed. I I just got to tell you this. A lot of local churches get birthed because some other church couldn't love well. And so people didn't like that and started another church. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. There are a lot of churches And it's really a sign that we don't do a really good job. You know, Jesus um, said this. He said, no greater love has anyone than this, than they lay down their life for their friends. I know a lot of believers who wouldn't walk across the street to love somebody, let alone lay down their life. You know why? Because the love of God is not flowing through their brains. The Spirit of God is not flowing like it should. It's, not, there's, it's no accident where we are at as the church at large. We have some work to do. We are in desperate need of more Blood we are in desperate need of more lifeblood. We need, I say we, I mean me, we need an ongoing transfusion from heaven. You and I are meant to be the very cells that are carrying the nutrients necessary for us to bring life to the body at large. Now, I tell you, this is an impossible thing to pull off on our own. It's like trying to, it's like us in, in, our, in the natural, it's like the scientific world trying to figure out a synthetic blood. You can't be done. The properties in blood Necessitate miracle. You know, if somebody said, Well, you know, you're looking a little anemic there, if you hook them up to antifreeze, they're going to die. For that matter, if you hook them up to anything other than blood itself, they're going to die. By human means alone, we cannot pull off what Christ has asked us to do. But with God, the impossible is possible. It is God who gives us strength to work together for his glory. It is God who does miraculous things among broken, difficult people. Here's what I want to close with this morning. Are you an I'll say it about myself too. I am, I'm just going to give you the answer, my answer. I am committed to loving whoever God puts in my path. Whoever. I want a fresh transfusion from heaven of his lifeblood of love flowing through me. Contrary to what you may think, because I go around hugging everybody, there are some folks I find difficult to love. Strangling is the first thing that comes to my mind. If I did that, another church would have to start. I I am committed, as long as I have breath, I am committed to seeking God for more love. I am committed to the day that, that I take my final breath. Lord, if I, whatever whatever accomplishments may have taken place, whatever, I wanna go out as, as one who has loved his church. That I have been a lover of men and I have contributed to the health and well-being of his church and not to its detriment. If you were of that mind, I'm going to invite you to stand because I want to pray for a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit for each of us. But in that, I want you to understand that what's coming when the Holy Spirit comes is his character. And his character starts out with love. Lord, here we are again today at the close of yet another service. But Lord, what we are talking about over these weeks, Lord, is vital to the health and well-being of your church, your body, your bride. And Lord, you said you were coming back for a church that's alive. Lord, we want to be part of that. We, we we don't want to be those people that John spoke of that found it difficult to love, Lord, or they just didn't have any love. And somehow we get left holding the rubber chicken because we thought we were in you, but somehow your blood was not flowing through our veins. Lord, we we hold up our lives before you. And we ask for a fresh impartation of your heart, of your blood, that that would be flowing through our veins, Lord. Giving life to every person and people we meet, Lord. Fill us, we pray. Make us like you. I know it'll take a miracle, Lord, but I believe in miracles. I believe you are able to do the impossible. And we see a church divided. We see a church that's got its various agendas, Lord. But would you please break through all of that crud and junk, Lord? and make your church fully alive. I'm committed to it, and I pray that there are people that are here this morning that are equally as committed to honoring, respecting, f- healing, all of those things that blood does for us. I pray that you would engage us in that, Lord, as we look to, to follow your to follow your, not suggestion, but your command, love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, now go out and run the play. Go out and do do what we just talked about. Don't forget about it. You know, put it into use, put it into practice. Don't forget there's folks up here who are here to pray for you if you need prayer. You came in carrying a burden, got something going on. There's folks up here who'd love to